Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we will be continuing our greatest goal scorers ever review. Obviously, I was hoping to have a guest for this evening, but I don't think anyone was particularly free. And to be honest, I think a lot of people just kind of want a little bit of a break. For all of us Americans and many folks around the world, I think the past couple of weeks have been a little bit tiring. So we're going to take a nice little chill pill, see if maybe we can get a guest or two this week. But before then, we will talk about some of the best goal scorers around. All that said, before we get to the fun goal scorers part, I did want to update you on one particular contract extension that actually has direct implications for the Jets, and that is Mackenzie Weger resigning with the Florida Panthers for three years at around $3.25 million per season. As many of you know, Mackenzie Weger was probably one of the guys that I was most hopeful for the Jets perhaps trying to trade for and pick up as a restricted free agent before offering him a contract. Now, as far as what Weger offers, he is actually a defensively-minded top-four defender who's very good at man-marking, very good at shutting down offensive possession in his own end and just generally good at controlling opportunities against. He's been a really solid rock for the Panthers at the back end, and to be honest, I was a little bit surprised that he was even on the chopping block to begin with. I think he's the kind of guy that makes like an ideal second-pairing defender, or if you really need him to be, perhaps a top-pairing blue liner. If you give him a really skilled offensive puck mover as a partner, I think Uyghur's skill set as a shutdown guy makes a lot more sense. I'm not sure if he's a D who's really active in offensive buildup. From my understanding, he tends to be more focused on the defensive side of things, but Either way, we already have a couple of guys who fit his sort of mold, but maybe don't do it as well as he does. He would have been a really nice pickup if the Jets were able to get him for cheap. Now that he is signed, it does actually still leave the door open for him to potentially come to Winnipeg if they can find a trade partner. But I think what we're looking at here with Uyghur is, as far as what he would do for this Jets team, I think a couple of things are are very obvious. The first is that Winnipeg's even-strength defensive unit is not exactly strong. Winnipeg is getting a big influx of young talent, but I think we all know that we need to pump the brakes a little bit and set our expectations within reason. I don't think, you know, Heinola, Sandberg, and the rest of the kids are going to be immediately top-end players. We know that Heinola is probably probably the most likely to be very successful just because he's already tasted NHL action and he just seems to be built a little bit differently than a lot of other guys who came into the pros especially the NHL and I think it's it's you know a lot to do with his development track which took him through the professional finish ranks first as a teenager and now he's graduated to the NHL for just a few games and will likely be coming back sometime in the next season or so. If Heinola stays overseas, obviously he'll be getting plenty of ice time in Liga. I think that he's very good at what he does, and I don't really think he has anything to prove over there, but obviously continued ice time is very important, especially in his development. So if they want to leave him over there for a little bit, maybe a season or so, that's fine. The NHL still doesn't really know what its plan for the future is, and obviously that sort of uncertainty is going to affect a lot of players who need to have a consistent ice time for their trajectory of development. Uyghur then presents a really interesting case because right now on the current three-year contract, he's an ideal top four defender who would help the Jets ease in some of the kids, and he's actually very good at what he does and would be a huge boost for this team. He'd also be very effective on the PK, which is something that the Jets really need. And frankly, they just need defensive presences in general. Winnipeg has a lot of issues exiting its own zone, especially with possession. So a guy who can dominate control of the puck, get the puck out of his own end, and be a rock in front of the net is somebody that I'd be very interested in. I'm not sure if the Jets will trade for him just because I think as far as his value is concerned, he is a more valuable trade chip now, but I don't know if Winnipeg wants to pay the price. 
I feel like he's still worth it. I don't know exactly what the Jets would give up, maybe like a Jack Roslevic or something. But I think the other issue then comes into play that you have to protect him during the Seattle expansion or, you know, maybe choose if you want to protect him or not. I guess you probably would because you're going to lose Roslevic anyways if Roslevic doesn't really want to stay with the Jets. Uyghur is most likely a shorter-term player for the Jets, but I do think that he is somebody that I wouldn't mind taking a punt on, especially since Roslevic is skilled, but he's not really making a high-level impact on this team. Uyghur is most likely somebody who could immediately come in, step into a major role, and help with one of Winnipeg's critical weaknesses. As good as Roslevic is, he's not really filling a particular need that the Jets have right now, and Uyghur would definitely be an immediate top four option. So if the Jets want to do it, I would say pull the trigger. Don't go nuts, though, because I, I do think that Uyghur probably isn't bound to stay with the Jets for too, too long, unless, you know, Seattle ends up claiming somebody else. Would he be enough to have an impact in, as far as, you know, making the playoffs is concerned? Maybe. You know, I think the West this upcoming season, or I guess the Canadian division in this case, if it's what, it, you know, ends up panning out to be, it's going to be a weird thing. I, I think if the Canadian division exists, there aren't too many teams that I feel would really usurp Winnipeg's playoff odds. I, I think Winnipeg is able to make the postseason, whatever the postseason picture looks like with the Canadian division. If the West stays as is and Winnipeg remains in the Central, Obviously, the road gets a little bit trickier. The funny thing about the Central Division is I, I don't think that there are all that many teams within the division that I'm particularly concerned about, but obviously Dallas is probably going to be pretty decent. Nashville might be okay. Uh, St. Louis is going to be a bit of a difficult out. And then you've got Colorado. All of those teams are going to be fighting for, for top four spots, and it's going to be a bit difficult for the Jets to squeeze in, especially if their defense doesn't hold up. I think a lot was riding on Connor Hellebuck last season, and in fact, he was the main reason the Jets even made the playoffs, and I'm not sure if we can expect another Vezina-caliber season from him. I personally don't think that that expectation is particularly fair, just because goalie performance year-to-year -year can be pretty volatile, and this is no exception, but if, if Hellebuck is able to produce as much as he did this season, maybe there's a shot, but I think Uyghur obviously helps out a lot in this respect and gives Winnipeg a lot of formidable back-end depth. It also works as like a bit of a transition period just because I don't really know what Winnipeg's future blue line is going to look like yet. Obviously, Josh Morrissey is signed for forever, which is, I, at first it seemed like it was going to be fine, but obviously the past couple of seasons have maybe made me concerned that he's not quite what we thought he was. Beyond that, I mean, we've definitely got Heinola penciled somewhere in the top four, either as the top pairing guy or the second pairing defender, Sandberg probably in the top four, and then there's a lot of room for figuring out who exactly fits in that role uh, for the rest of the prospects and players. The Jets just don't have many active NHLD right now, and, you know, your other options are guys like Lucas Abiso, which I don't think we want to see getting top four minutes. Derek Forbord, I think, will be fine, but I don't know how much Maurice is going to play him. I think Uyghur would be somebody who would immediately come in and get a lot of trust from Maurice. He also plays a bit of a hard-nosed, hard-tackle style, which I think Maurice is definitely a big fan of. So as far as like Uyghur being a stylistic fit and somebody that the coaching staff would actually play... I think that there would be a pretty good chance of Uyghur being a good trade acquisition. I think he would also have a decently tangible impact on Winnipeg's near-term prospects for a postseason run. I don't know if they would go deep, but I think at least, you know, bare minimum, he helps them get to the dance. Of course, that is the future, and who knows what the future of the NHL even holds, especially for next season. For now, though, let's return to the present and take a look at some of the top goal scorers in both hockey and in football. But before then, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about breaking down your daily walls. When you wake up in the morning and look at your daily list of tasks, what do you see? When I wake up, I see walls to my productivity. 
And that's why I turned to Bilko to turn those walls to ash. Bilko is the natural, great tasting, and healthy replacement for your daily energy drink. It's got all of the kick you need from your usual 5-hour energy with none of the crash. Bilko comes in convenient 1.5-ounce packages that you can transport anywhere, whether it's your golf bag, your school backpack, or even your briefcase. Wherever your walls may be, Bilko comes with you to tear them down. You can try Bilko in three delicious flavors, including peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Bilko comes loaded with collagen protein, beta alanine, B3, honey, a little bit of caffeine, B6, and B12, so you have energy all day. To get started, head on over to Bilko.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at Bilko.com. Don't delay on kicking those walls down today. Visit Bilko.com and place your order now. Let's go. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. Over the past couple of days, we've been talking a lot about some of the top goal scorers in world hockey and football. By this point, I've covered tons of players, including guys who are maybe underappreciated, some superstars, and everyone in between. There are still so many more players to talk about, and one of them that I haven't quite gotten to yet is Miko Rantanen. And if you've ever seen Rantanen score, he's actually kind of an awkward player to watch. I'm not sure that I have a stylistic comparable that I associate with Rontanen because what sticks out to me is that he's very tall, he's very slender, he's fast, but he's also kind of, I don't know, I think a lot of the way that he he plays really comes around from his spatial awareness. He just seems to know where he needs to be at all times to pull off great goals. I don't know if I feel like any particular part of his game is like franchise level. I think he has a lot of really good to occasionally elite skill sets and tools, but nothing that really stands out as like game breaking. And I think a lot of that is because when he plays with McKinnon, McKinnon is essentially your lead catalyst, right? McKinnon dominates every shift. He owns possession of the puck. So Rontanen's job is really to get into those spaces between defenders and be like a perfect poacher. And I think that that's what he really excels at. Because of the way that he plays the game, which is to essentially lose himself in crowds and be either an elite finisher or a nice setup man, Rontanen's game has almost turned to a more elite complementary winger. And I think Rontanen's versatility makes him uniquely suited to play alongside McKinnon. Because he can be a really good goal scorer or an elite passer, I feel like you just kind of give him the puck and see what happens. He does have like a, a pretty good engine, and I feel like he actually gets up the ice pretty quickly, but I think what really, again, defines him is his hockey IQ. He just seems to know, again, what best position he needs to take. And when you play with somebody who is as skilled and as good as McKinnon is, it's actually really important to have somebody who can think at a very high level and understand where Nate is going to be going, because Nate is basically everywhere inside the offensive zone. Rontanen has actually gotten very good at that, and they have like a lot of very natural chemistry. And I think, you know, Rontanen long-term is the guy that they want to keep around. And I'm very fond of the Finn. I feel like he plays a slightly unique style in some ways. You don't really see many players of his mold because he is just a really nice above average play driving wing who can also slap the puck really hard. I like his game a lot and I think it's obvious that it's not just a product of playing with McKinnon. Rontanen has a lot of great skill and he's just very smart so it's not really shocking that he's been you know getting pretty close to 100 points over the past couple of seasons. He's not quite gotten to 90 yet but he's getting there and I feel like if he were to continue to play at a really good clip maybe over a point per game, like a point and a half. At some point, he'll finally break 100. Doing so alongside McKinnon, I feel like, won't be that hard for him. Now, you know, Rontanen is obviously not the only really talented goal scorer on that team. There are plenty of them. 
but one guy who just recently broke onto the scene and has started to gain a lot of accolades is going to be Kale McCarr. McCarr is a really interesting defender for me because he, he fits more of like a modern archetype of an attacking D, and it's very clear that when he's very aggressive at his own blue line, it's often because he wants to spring counters heading the other way and carry the puck in possession up the ice and basically create offensive zone pressure. He's somebody who I feel like cheats defense for a bit more offense, which in Makar's case in the way that the Avs play actually isn't as bad. Kale has actually drastically improved his defensive zone coverage. I, I feel like as he just continues to mature and understand the NHL game a lot more, he's going to get better and better. But what we do know already is that his offensive skills are just elite. There's no getting around it. This dude understands how to score points at the NHL level at a level that very few defenders do. He's incredibly good at dropping below the faceoff circles. He likes taking point shots. He's got great vision, excellent hands. He's got sensational edge work that lets him get up and down the ice very quickly and, you know, have a lot of lateral agility, which is something very important for a guy who's shooting from the blue line. Makar, though, also really likes cutting down between the face-off circles and scoring from close in. He's just a really complete offensive threat, especially as somebody who typically plays the defensive position. And I feel like as far as Makar goes, there are not too many guys that I would rate above him. His game is obviously still developing, but he's somebody that I think, as he continues to mature and get better, is just going to continue to be a dominant force on that back end for Colorado. They got a special player in him, and even though he does play for a rival squad, I can't help but be excited by what he's got in store for us. Makar was competing with somebody else, though, for the accolade of Calder Trophy, and that is Quinn Hughes. Adam Fox was in there, but Quinn was definitely the lead competition. And Quinn, whenever I watch Hughes, is, is just a next-level defender. He's somebody who has these amazing instincts on the puck that allow him to create offense at a ridiculous level, especially with a team that is a little bit talent-limited as the Canucks. I think Vancouver maybe isn't as good as people imagine them to be, in part because Jim Benning just doesn't have very good roster construction skills. He's good at drafting, that's for sure, but when it comes to, like, pro-level stuff, he's not all that experienced in the right ways. So when Quinn Hughes is able to dominate shift after shift, control over time, be an incredibly dangerous power play threat, and run things at even strength, it really shows that he's one of the most versatile attacking skaters in the entire league. I think that there's not many players who can play the way that he does at both ends of the ice in the style that he does. He's very unique in a lot of ways, and I feel like people have often said that he's the better Hughes brother. I think that's being a little bit unfair on Jack, but Quinn is obviously an exceptional defender and a truly gifted skater. I don't know that I've seen too many players that essentially dominate possession of the puck with the style that he does. He's a very unique attacking skater, even though he does play as a defender, and I feel like Hughes, for me, is just one of the most exciting, dynamic players that I've ever watched. I say that about a lot of players, to be honest, but I feel like Hughes really does fit the description of a next-level defender. He and Makar have extremely bright futures, and it's going to be very exciting to see if they continue to evolve, or if this is kind of where they are now, and at this point it's just getting better at what they do. Of course, when it comes to goal scoring, hockey is not the only sport that loves a good goal. We also have plenty of great football goal scorers out there, and in just a bit we'll take a look at some of the top midfielders who are also excellent marksmen. Before then, though, I did want to tell you a little bit about the recent relaunch of Built Bar. If you are a longtime listener of Locked On Podcasts, by now you know that I love Built Bar protein bars. And if you've never had a Built Bar, it's a protein bar that's actually more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. If you want to give one of their 12 original flavors a try, I highly recommend raspberry and mint brownie. But if you can't decide between any of them, be sure to check out the variety sampler box, which gives you the best of both worlds. Like any great company, though, Built isn't content to rest on its laurels and is back and better than ever with a brand new formula. They've also dropped the hot six new flavors to make your mouth water, including 
including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The tastiest protein bar out there just got even tastier. And best of all, you can enjoy all of them guilt-free as each built bar is around 200 calories or less, around 5 grams of net carbs, and between 15 to 19 grams of protein. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're great for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. Getting started with Built Bar is super easy. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We have been covering some news around the NHL as well as some of the top goal scorers in the league as well. And as some of you have guessed, I am also a very big football fan and I enjoy the sport. I'm a huge Bundesliga supporter and obviously a lot of people will call it a farmer's league. They're wrong. It's a great league, especially if you like offense. But of course, there are plenty of leagues with tons of offense out there and tons of goal scorers. And I think one of the positions that tends to get underappreciated is the position of being a midfielder especially like a CM or like a CDM, right? Being a central mid is actually a very demanding position because you have to be capable of doing so many different things, whether it's scoring goals, making great passes, being good at essentially play reading, and also having some defensive acumen. It's a very demanding position, a very demanding role, and you have to be a key transition point for both your offense and your defense. It's why somebody like Kevin De Bruyne is a truly extraordinary midfielder. While he has had some seasons where he's maybe better than he was in previous years or not as good as he was in a subsequent season, I think we all know that KDB at his best is truly an artist. And part of that is because he can pull off long shots and free kicks that nobody else in the world can. He has an unbelievable boot, he's got incredible vision, and he has the physique that allows him to pull off these ridiculous shots. He's an incredibly potent uh, central attacking mid. He's also really good in deeper positions where he can feed guys up the pitch, or if he needs to close the distance, he can also go right inside the box and attack there directly. He is one of the world's most complete midfielders, and if he was healthy all the time, I I think that he would go down in history as one of the greats to play the position, but obviously health has been a concern with him, and it has taken a little bit out of his career, but I don't think anyone can take away from the fact that he is truly extraordinary when it comes to scoring unbelievable goals. In some ways, he's a a little bit like Patrick Liney in that it seems like he can shoot from just about anywhere and it'll go in. He's not alone in that category though, especially in the Premier League. There isn't another midfielder who I feel like hasn't always gotten a whole lot of attention, at least recently, because I, I think the way that the team plays around him is a little bit not quite fitting for for the kind of goals that he's capable of scoring but anyone who has seen him score one of his signature long shots and free kicks knows that Ruben Nevis is truly one of the most gifted midfielders out there this guy has ridiculous long ball vision and he also has an unbelievable free kick and goal scoring boot especially from distance I think he's almost never taken a touch inside the opposing box. All of his goals are also from outside the box, which is a really funny stat. But if you want a true measure of why Nevis is often considered one of the most lethal long-range shooters out there, especially when he can get his boot behind it, you have to see the goal against Darby a couple of seasons ago in the championship. I won't really spoil it, but I will say that it's one of the craziest long-distance volleys that I've ever seen. It was actually nominated for a Puskas Award too, so obviously a lot of people saw that video, it went viral, and it remains one of the most extraordinary midfielder goals you'll ever see. The last guy that I will talk about, I'm going to cheat a little bit because he plays forward frequently, but uh, he's also a bit of a midfielder. He does play like a wide left mid position sometimes, and this player is of course Hung Min Son. 
It's hard to say where exactly San's best position is because you can basically deploy him anywhere within the left flank or at forward or even maybe as a cam. I mean, he basically can play anywhere on the pitch that isn't a defensive role. San loves getting into the box and trying to take on defenders one-on-one. You've seen, probably by now you've seen the Burnley goal where he basically ran through the entire team and he did it from end to end on the pitch. He's got unbelievable dribbling, he's got an incredible scoring boot, and he just seems to have the vision and IQ to understand when to take shots and when to set up his teammates. When it comes to attackers, few players are quite as complete as San is, and he truly is an extraordinary player whether he's playing from a deeper midfield position or getting directly involved as either like a left wing, a left forward, or even a center forward. Son can do it all and probably remains Korea's best known athlete right now. He will certainly go down as one of Korea's greatest all-time footballers and maybe the greatest unless somebody else comes along. If you are a football fan, be sure to let me know what top goal scorers you think should be on this list, as well as NHL goal scorers who I haven't mentioned yet. That's going to do it for tonight's episode though. As always, I thank you so much for listening. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On National Podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato for news all around the league, and check out all of our Locked On affiliate shows across the league to find out perspectives from other fan bases. Thanks again, and as always, have a great night, and go Jets go!